Trust them all today From the shot like Timmy's a hard away So this is in the name of love like robbers say Before you ask me to go get a job today Can I at least get a raise on the minimum wage And I know the government administer AIDS This so is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins Presented by Four Roses Alright, how you doing everybody? This is Real Talk, I am Ben Tompkins We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon And uh, this is Uber Stories Part 13 Wow, I can't believe we're getting this deep into it. But um, it's, uh, (laughs) you know, there's never a week that goes by where I don't have at least one interesting conversation or ride or story. And as I'm starting to go back and put together and start to work on this compilation, which is going to drop in two weeks, two Wednesdays from now, November 4th, I'm going to put out the best of the best Uh, a collection of anywhere from five to eight of the greatest stories that have taken place over the last uh, four or five months. And I'm really excited about that. Next week, next Wednesday, we'll have Uber Stories Part 14. And the way that the interviews are going, I have a lot of guests scheduled for November. Like, I have four or five people that are like, hey, can we push until November? Hey, I'm working on a deadline. It's November 1st why don't you reach out at the end of October? I'm like, cool, okay. So the way that the interviews go, yeah, usually they're on Fridays. If I don't have a guest lined up or if something falls through, somebody has to reschedule, push things around, listen, I'm not gonna trip about it. It is what it is. Uh, Look at the episodes that we do interviews with as bonuses um, and they're really just, yeah, that, they're bonuses, all right? So if you get a week with two, then uh, usually... That's a pretty good week. <laughs> it's like a cherry on top. And I'm, you know, really I'm trying to get two episodes per week. But like I said, you know, I, I, listen, I, I could sit here and, and, and be kind of distraught and beat myself up. And I did a little bit that I didn't have guests that uh, came through and, and worked out with the last two Fridays. But I'm just, you know, I'm not going to trip about it. All right. So um, usually shooting for guests on Fridays. If not, then you know that every Wednesday we're going to have an Uber Stories episode and tell these stories all anonymously, of course, okay? We protect people's names, identities, workplaces, all those kinds of key details have been changed or altered slightly uh, because we're not trying to out anybody. These are, I'm trying to get good content, not burn a lot of bridges, okay? So that's what we're about. Um, comedy, empowering, dramatic, savage, unbelievable shit, and as I started to go back and put together this compilation, <laughs> I can't like I it's it. Some of these are just like it, it, it's it's outstanding. It, it's it's honestly outstanding. So uh, that's two weeks from now. Next week, Uber Stories Part Fourteen. Yeah, I did a lot of sports stuff last week, and I'm just you know what that I <laughs> I I realized at the end of it, it's like hey, that's not what we're doing. People, this is like the stories. People want the stories. I was doing the sports thing. Uh, gonna make it, you know. I'm not gonna make that a regular thing. <sighs> this is all about the stories. So that's where we're gonna start and go ahead and jump in. Uh, shout out to Four Roses Bourbon. We begin story time with Roy. Roy is a big, muscular, built ass black dude, probably like 6'3, 240, diesel. All right. And Roy has two absolute gems here. Lions fans, Mike Rutherford, I know you guys can relate to this one right here. Roy says, before I knew what a girl was, man, the Lions let me know what a heartbreak was. 
He said, hey, I never forget my first tears, man. I was a little emotional boy, but my first tears was the Lions. Like, we was up 24 points in the first half. Guess how much we lose by to the Green Bay Packers. I said, uh, I'm going to guess 21. He said, 13, still too much. And I'm telling you, my mom and stepdad laughed at me because I sat on the couch and was just like tears falling down my eyes. Like I couldn't believe it. And I was just so happy. Like, yes, we finna win this game. Like, yes, we finna beat Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. I'm tired of it, man. I'm like eight, nine, and we get our ass kicked. And between you and me, (laughs) this is the best part, he said. And between you and me, my next tears... I think it was about a year or two later. It was that movie Thelma and Louise. I said, what was it? Because he said it kind of fast, and I almost, like, I was, like, not expecting him to say that. And I was like, it missed me first, right? And he goes, Thelma and Louise. You remember that movie? And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Man, when them motherfucking bitches rode off that fucking canyon, dog, I was hurt. Like, why the hell did y'all do that? Like, why the fuck you gonna do that? And I said, literally, Ryder dies. He said, man, no, 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 dog. I was hurt. I was hurt, bruh. I think that's why I started crying, too, because, like, they sisterhood was that fucking strong. Like, like, they like, before we go to jail, we about to die together. Man, I love my motherfucking brothers, but hit a no. You finna jump? Be like, ah, shit. I'd rather write letters and do push-ups the rest of my life than do that. You feeling me? <laughs> I did not. Would have never guessed that this guy was going to get in the car and tell me. Man, you know, big dude. You know what I'm saying? Like 6'3", 240, just freaking yoked. And he's like, man, yeah, I remember my first tears. My second tears, though, Thelma and Louise, man. Them bitches got to me. <laughs> It was awesome. Shout out to Roy, man. Shout out to Roy. All right. Next, Jeannie. Jeannie is the GM of a popular gas station here in Louisville. And again, all names changed, anonymous. Here we go. I asked Jeannie if she worked nights, and she said, yeah, I work a lot of nights. So I said, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened there while you were working? I got held up at gunpoint. Really? Tell me about that. Yeah, it was scary. It was scary. They was going in to buy beer, and I look up, and next thing I know, there's a gun in my face, because I was getting ready to bag the beer, and some dude comes up behind me and tells me to open up the drawer, and I was like, uh, like I was actually dumbfounded, and I couldn't even figure out how to open the drawer for a minute. I was just in total shock, and then I pushed the robbery button right in front of him, and they freaked out, and they left, and then I told my husband, you know, I was a little scared to go back to work. So we came up and he sat with me all night long. And that was about two months ago now. Well, that was really nice of him. That was really nice. Yeah, he's awesome. Well, how much money do you keep on hand anyways if they had gotten in the drawer? I mean, you don't keep a lot on hand, right? We keep the minimum of what the drawer starts at. We're not allowed to keep much money in our drawer, which is like, is it over 100 bucks? Yeah, a little bit, but not much. Just enough to get the change out. Yeah, that, that, would, uh, that would probably ruin your day and probably traumatize you for a while if you uh, look up at your place of employment and all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel of a gap. That would probably, uh, 
probably ruined the vibe for a little bit at work. So shout out to her husband for getting up there and uh, keeping her keeping her safe. I said, how often do you guys have to call the cops on people? I, I mean, I, w- I would imagine that it's probably a lot because this is a location that gets a lot of foot traffic, okay? A uh, pretty popular spot in the city. And she said, well, it's not that bad at that one, but the one on Broadway, I used to be the store manager there before I got promoted and I used to have to call the cops every couple days. People getting in fights or what? Mostly the drug addicts, either overdosing in the bathroom, overdosing in the store, in the parking lot. That almost breaks my heart. To, and I said that almost breaks my heart to think about. You know, people that they don't even care where they are. They're just so fixated on getting high, and that's all that matters. And they think, let me lock this door, and who cares what's going on in the outside world? Oh, exactly, she says. I had one three weeks ago, did it in our bathroom, and so I just called the ambulance. Um, ambulance came, and they Narcaned him, and then he got up and just left, just walked out the door like it was nothing. And this has happened two or three times to the same guy. Comes in the bathroom, overdoses, needle hanging out the arm, ambulance comes, they Narcan him, and um, you know we try to keep him out of the store as much as we can, but if, you know, he's coming in and he's spending money, we just try to monitor who's going in and out of the bathroom. But sometimes, you know, they're really good at, they'll wait until it's busy. And there's a lot of people trying to check out at the same time. There's a line. And so they can kind of slink in. And you can only do so much when you're standing there ringing people out, giving people change. And, you know, it, it just, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, he just gets Narcan, walks up. Like it's nothing, you know? And then there was this other time when I was working on the one on Blank Street. Not gonna, you know, some of you sleuths out there could be like, ooh, I wonder which gas station on Broadway. And sure, Broadway's a long street, so good luck. And on this street, I'm not gonna say the name because it would probably give it away, but uh, somewhere downtown, good luck, okay? Uh, (laughs) She's working there and she says, they brought somebody back with Narcan. And I was friends with one of the cops, and he came back a couple hours later, and, and he says, yep, got a call on that guy again, uh, this time at his house, but uh, this time he didn't make it. I said, oh, shit. She said, I'm like, wow, that is sad. That is really sad. That is sad. That's really sad. Um, and I was curious to know how often that does happen at, at gas stations downtown. You know, people just going in and, and overdosing there, parking lots, whatever. She said so much so that they use a special type of lighting in the bathrooms that makes it impossible to see your veins. It's some kind of a blue light um, that they use, and when you go in, you know, it, you, can't, you can't find the veins, so you can't shoot up. But she said you can still turn the lights off, which is what a lot of people end up doing, and then they just use the light on their phone to find their veins. So she was saying they need to make it where you can't turn them off at all. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty good idea. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, that's something you never think about, you know, walking into a bathroom. And I mean, I, I've never, you know, I've never been at that point. I've never walked into a bathroom and been like, I'm going to shoot up. So I wouldn't even know that they use lighting that makes it impossible to see your veins. Um, but next time you go in a bathroom, if you're on a road trip or if you are uh, just in one of these gas stations and you're like, hey, I, I got to pee, you run in there, just see it, test it out. Just be like, can I see any of my veins? 
And uh, if you can, then maybe they aren't using that blue light. But if you can't, then be like, hey, I learned that from Benny T. <laughs> hey, and I learned that from Jeannie. All right. Uh, Jeannie G, we'll call it, just to have a little, uh, you know, alliteration there. Okay. Next, we'll call this guy Robbie. Robbie worked at a car dealership. And this one's pretty good. We were swapping some stories. And I told him about the dude riding in the front seat with me, telling him about the bullet holes and the armed robberies thing. And he was like, man, that's like this one time I was taking this dude on a test drive in a charger. I'll never forget this, man. He's fucking flying, like flying, going way too fast. And I'm like, bro, check this out. When you buy this car, you can do whatever the fuck you want in it. You know what I mean? But in the meantime, you're not going to kill me. So can we please slow down? And he's like, nah, fuck that. So he gets into an argument with me. And I'm just trying to keep my mouth shut because I want dude to buy this car, right? <laughs> I want dude to buy the car. I pull my phone out because I already had ran a credit check and everything over the phone. And it's on an app anyways. So just for shits and giggles, while this dude's doing 100 on the highway, I'm just like, dude, something's wrong with dude. Like, he's fucked up in the head. So I just throw his name into Google. Turns out, this guy, going 100, controlling this Charger that I'm riding in, has taken the police on three high-speed pursuits. And I'm in the passenger seat with this dude in a supercharged, heavy Charger. Like, what the fuck? This dude is subject to rob me. Like, kick me out of the car. It's like Chappelle's show. The moment he realized he fucked up. Like, damn, I should have done more homework on this dude. And I realized right then I had fucked up. And I was just so happy when he brought it back to the dealership. But he probably went every bit of 120 on the highway. Man, I was terrified. Did he buy it? No. Oh, he bought something else, but he didn't buy the damn Charger. Oh, yeah, I was pissed. He bought like a Edge, like a Ford Edge or something instead. I said, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you go from a fucking Stat Pack Charger to a Ford Edge? Fucking window shopper, man. Yeah, I know, right? I ended up getting a little money, but it wasn't worth the hell that he caused me. Yeah, because, I mean, you take somebody out like that and they start acting reckless, you don't know how good of a driver somebody is. He goes, fuck no. And then there's this dealership that was a part of our chain of dealerships. They made the news, bro. They had a salesman in this car, and he let this young guy who had a shit ton of cash on him take this Challenger like 140 on Preston. And they hit like a, it was like a bus or a van. They killed another family. Everybody in there. And that was like, that was like the big thing. Like, don't be like that guy. And I'm in the passenger seat of this car like, ah, fuck. I'm that guy. You're that guy, dude. You're that guy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man. That was a bad day. That was a bad day. Usually the test drives are a little bit more chill, but um. Yeah, that 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 was uh, kind of that feeling. You're sitting next to that person. You're like, "Holy shit! Like, what am I in for? Where is this gonna go?" <laughs> Luckily, um, yeah, everything was smooth though. Returned the charger and uh, no problem. I wonder if that guy's got any more high speed pursuits. I wonder if we could find those. I mean, I well, I don't know the guy's name. I wouldn't give it out anyways. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that's wild, man. That's wild. That would that would be your update. All right, this next one we're going to call the little old maid from Atlanta because that's what she called herself a couple times, and I wish we had had more time because she had a pretty interesting story, 
but we really only got to scratch the surface. You know, sometimes you sit down and you start talking to somebody and you can just tell they just have stories for days. This was one of those people. She said she had had a handful of jobs over the course of her life, um, but never like a steady nine to five job. She had always done different things. And this conversation started because she was asking me about driving for Uber. And she said that she also used to drive for Uber. And I asked if she had any good stories, but she really didn't. Um, But she said she was working part-time at Amazon just for fun now because A, it wasn't stressful, and B, it kept her moving. Um, But also that she had run a pretty successful company as a landlord and kind of a real estate company up until about two years ago when she said she sold off 90% of her business. How come you sold off 90% of your business? Uh... I'm just getting too old to care for it, you know? I'm just getting too old to care for it all. 60 is not what 30 is. And some people, they hold on to their property, but then they die. And then their kids have to figure out what the hell to do with it all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because they have other careers or whatever the reason is. So um, my children are some of those children. And when I do check out, they're not going to have anything to clean up. When I sold 90% of the business, I bought a condo and a house, and each one of my children now rent from me. So when I kick the bucket, they're not going to have to pay rent anymore, and their house is free. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? (laughs) That is a good deal. She said, yeah, and it was a great deal for me because I don't have so much to care for, and when you're 30, you're buying property as fast as you can, rolling the dice, and having a great time. But when you're 60, you know... I was working on properties five to seven days a week, staying in decks, putting in windows, whatever, and it just wasn't fun anymore. So that's my story. And Amazon, when I started working there, they didn't believe my story because prior to that, I haven't had a job since I was in my 20s. And prior to that, I I ran a maid service in Atlanta. And the short story is I ended up here in Louisville and expanded on real estate. And after a while, I applied online to Amazon, and, and I applied in person as well at, at, at uh, damn near the same time. And the person is telling me, yeah, come back for orientation. But a few days later, I get this turndown letter in my email. So I go back to the person, and I'm like, are you sure you want me to come in for orientation? She says, yeah. But they didn't believe my resume, that this Little old maid from Atlanta could at one time have controlled half a million dollars worth of real estate. And that's what I hate about the tech world, this new tech world we live in. Sometimes you don't believe what's written on a piece of paper. But if you sit down with the person, you just might. I went in there and said, I haven't had a job since I was in my mid-20s. I'm 58 at this point. Is there any point in really filling out an application? The lady said, honey, I was an all pair prior to coming to Amazon. We got room for you. So this little old maid from Atlanta ended up making it for herself, kind of jumped around from thing to thing. And that always, you know, that always really fascinates me because, you know, there's some, there's some, some of my friends, some of my friends, people that I know, people that I love and respect, right? They go to college, they go to med school, they go to law school, they become an accountant, and they have this very structured career path. Then there's this other group of people like parents of friends that I have or different people that you read about or people that you meet like this, you know, that didn't necessarily have this 
prescribed path to get to like whatever uh, success that they reached. There wasn't like this very clear cut, okay, here's step one. Okay, next is this. Okay, now you got to do this. You know, it's funny. People jump around and kind of leapfrog and they just kind of ping pong around in life. And if you continue to do that, eventually, hopefully, you'll find success in something. You know, it, it might not be what you <laughs> what you envisioned, right? But, you know, it's like the people that stumble across something where they've started this business and then they end up finding this market, tapping into this market. And maybe it's not necessarily a market they want to be in, right? I mean, think about like a film director who is going to NYU, gets out of school, and is going to make these awesome documentaries about the world and hopefully get a bunch of film awards, get accepted into Sundance and like all these prestigious things. But maybe the only work coming in for them are porn shoots. They're like, hey, I'm really good, and the porn industry is really putting a lot of money into the paid services for film directors like me to come in and, and really kind of make these things a top-notch cinematic experience. And so maybe I'm not making the uh, you know the documentaries with Leo, but maybe I can work with these people and now I'm making a million dollars a year. You know, it's like some people, they won't want to go down that road because they're like, well, I'm, I'm, I would never do that. You know, I'm all oh, my morals, you know. And then there's other people that are like, well, you know what? Fuck it. This is a capitalist society. I'm a capitalist. I'm trying to make money and live well. Um, so I'm going to lean into the thing that's paying me a million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of it. And that's a, you know, <laughs> just the example that comes off the top of my head. Um, but in, in this person's case, you know, the little old maid from Atlanta, she's doing all of these kind of odd jobs. She's getting to this point, And then eventually she just stumbles upon this maid service. And you think, you know, I didn't ever plan on cleaning people's houses for a living. But you know what? If you're running a maid service and it's breaking like $200,000 a year or more, and at least for this person, you know, I, I, I don't know what she was making as the maid service. Um, she was making half a million dollars, she said, on the real estate stuff. But like the, the maid thing, you know, it's like if you're making a lot of money, then, then who cares? <laughs> you know, like if you sell pooper scoopers for dogs and you're literally doing demonstrations with dog shit all day long, but you're selling like a million dollars worth of purchase orders every year, then who fucking cares? Do what makes you happy and do what makes you money, all right? So she goes from doing the maid service thing and running it. She said she had like 15 employees. I mean, it was probably a pretty pretty legitimate operation down there in Alana, right? And then she goes on to stumble upon real estate and she's controlling half a million dollars worth of real estate. Every That's that's amazing to me. That, that really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm way more amazed. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Like not to take anything away from the people that go that very kind of prescribed route, but I am always going to be a little bit more impressed with the person that starts from nothing and ends up on Shark Tank because they stumbled upon this business and now they're raking in cash. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome. So that was a really cool one. And then uh, here's our last one. These are, these are a little bit shorter today. These are a little bit shorter today and that's okay, you know, but five stories ending on a positive note. This was a quick ride, but it was a good ride. And it's always nice to come across people who were just motivated and dedicated to the path that they're on. And Talia, who we're going to call Talia, 
is just one of those people who's going after her goals and and sharing about it and talking about it. And you know, a lot of people, there's so many fucking haters in the world that when somebody starts talking about their goals and reaching for something, people just want to shit on it because they're either not reaching for anything in their life or they are just negative people that are just like energy suckers. You know, there's like energy providers and then there's energy drainers. And people are going to fucking hate and that just that just is what it is. But it shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't shy away from sharing your goals and talking about these things um, because the people that you run across that are going to be like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Like, go for it, you know, and encourage you and be like, wow, that is, that's really cool. That's really cool. Those feelings are always going to be stronger, at least for me they are, than the person that's like, oh, well, what makes you think that you can do that, you know, or what makes you so special? Like, those are just weak, insecure people and can fuck off, to be honest, all right? So, Talia is one of these people, she's just going after her goals, and and she's unabashed speaking about it, and I love that. So, I picked up Talia from work, and I was taking her to where she lived, and she lived in one of the housing projects here in Louisville, and she said she wasn't from here, she said she was from Ohio originally, and she had just moved down to Louisville in June. Do you like it here? Yeah, it's cool so far. I work from home, I'm a single mom, so when they was like, low-income housing, I was like, sure, you know, this helps me out a whole lot. It's just me and my kids, you know, but I'm going to take advantage of it. A lot of people, when they're in low-income housing, when they're granted that opportunity, they should take advantage of it instead of like, I mean, look, this isn't where I want to live for the rest of my life, but it helps me because I'm in college right now, I'm working full-time, I got two kids, and this just helps me stack for real. I said, yeah, you know, you keep your costs down and it's just not where you're going to be forever, but it's where you're at right now and and uh, that's cool, you know, you're just fucking stacking up. Yeah, I get it. And she said, yeah, and I'm, I'm literally like, I'm doing that. Like, I don't want to be here. Like other people thinking it's just okay to live, you know, like I don't. I like my own space and I want a house. I don't want to be here and be this close to this many people. But, you know, living here, it makes you appreciate more things in life when you start becoming more self-enlightened. So you're not being blinded anymore by the bullshit. You know what I mean? But then it's like when you become more self-enlightened, you start to see how sad the world really is. And it's like you got to really work on yourself to be more confident and make yourself happy because now you know you don't want to absorb that bullshit energy. And you got to do self-affirmations, and it's like this whole process. And I was like, oh, oh, I know. Oh, I know. I'm right there with you. I'm really big into personal growth and the stuff that you're talking about. And actually, I was speaking with somebody the other day, and they said to me, how can we possibly expect to conquer anything in life if we first can't conquer ourselves? She said, right, right. You are your own enemy, and that's the real truth. If you don't see your own future, if you can't picture your own future, if you can't picture what you're going to do the next day, then you're fucked. You're just walking around like you're blind, literally. About this time, we're pulling up to her spot, and uh, I say, hey, it was really nice talking to you. She said, nice talking to you too. Thank you. She gets out of the car, and just before she shut the door, she said, you stay positive, okay? I said, hey, I got you. You stay positive as well. She said, bye. So that's how I leave you, my friends, with a short episode today, short stories. Um, 
but I'm leaving you the same way that Talia left me. You stay positive, okay? Y'all stay positive, and I'll talk to you soon. Uber Stories, part 14, next Wednesday. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Like us on Facebook, at RealTalkWBennyT. I am on Twitter, at BennyTomp18. Also there um, for Instagram, at BennyTomp18. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next Wednesday. I'm Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.